And so we're going to study the Bible. Uh, we're going to call it right. That's what we do here at church. But, but we're going to kind of try to go from a 10,000-foot perspective. We're going to call it the God book. And, and I, I, you know, my brother, he's not here, so I'm going to tell a story about him. His first semester at college, when he went off to, to North Florida, he had a, took a, a world religion and, or philosophy class. I can't remember exactly. But the professor, the first day, threw a book, the Bible, on his desk. And he says, by the end of this class, you're going to know that this book is inaccurate and it is a relic. And nobody's going to be talking about it in 100 years. And so I don't know if you have felt that over, you know, in, in modern day culture, but there's these undercurrents that are just trying to either just disprove the Bible or, or just say, well, the Bible is a good book. It's got a lot of po it's got poetry in it. It's got a lot of good readings, but but you can't take it as the word of God. Right. Because man wrote it. And so there, there's errors in it. That's kind of the undercurrent of culture. And even there's Bible colleges now. Professors at Bible colleges that are teaching that, and and so so I want to answer a few questions over the next several weeks. You know, one big question is, can I trust the Bible? Can I trust it? Can I live my life? Can I can I lead my life based on what this book says? And then and then I want to look at who wrote the Bible. You know, we know there's over forty or, or so authors. There's sixty six books. But how did these 40 authors write one book, and does it have one theme? 66 books, does it have one theme? How do we study the Bible, right? You know, there's, I think it's, so there's these big questions that I want to look at over the next couple of weeks. But today, I want to go kind of old school on you. And so when I, when I first started going to church, when we'd read the Bible, y'all, we'd stand for the reading of the Word. And so I want to do that this morning. Can we do that? Hebrews 4, verse 12, if you got your Bible with you. Hebrews 4, verse 12. We're going to read it. I'm not going to try to read it together because we'll just have a, it's like herding cats, you know what I'm saying? We'll be all, all over the place because it got a hundred different translations. But uh, let's, let's uh, I'm going to read out of the New International Version, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active. If you're reading King James, it's going to say it's quick, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And everyone said amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. And so what's different about the Bible than every other book? Because there's a lot of good books. There's a lot of good authors. I, I, I like to read, and I know a lot of y'all um, like to read. And so what separates the Bible from every other good book? And, then, and there's nothing better, even on days like when it's cold like this, and to have a nice book, and, and, and you can get lost in a good book, and there's been incredible authors. Um, and so what makes the Bible different? And I think with the, with the Bible that we just read is it's alive. I had a, a, a guy that was discipling me when I first became a Christian, and he's no longer alive. And when he was telling me about the Bible, he told me that it was the real magic book. You know, there's a lot of different, like Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. There's all these different. I was a big, uh, I, I like the land, not the land before time. Um, goodness. That's a dinosaur. That's, I, I have a five-year-old. So, <laughs> not Lord of the Rings. Where's that movie? He opens a book, a Treyu. Never-ending story. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it 
Anyway, so he opens a book and he gets in the book, right? You know, and, and so there's all these different movies that are great movies about these, these books with power. But the real magic book is this book right here. Because it's alive. It's living. It's amazing to me how you can read the Bible. You can read one verse every day for your whole life and get something different out of it. The truths of the Bible, you know, we're finding, I'm finding now that no matter how much I study a passage, when I think I've gotten to the bottom, you can dig a little more and there's more there. There's more depth. There's more that God wants to speak through that, that text or through that particular verse. And so it's the real magic book. The, the, the story of the prodigal son, right? You, we, most of us know that story. It's a, there was two, two brothers and the prodigal son kind of got a wild hair and told his dad he wanted his inheritance and he ran off and he blew it all, right? Went to Vegas and came home with nothing. And at some point in his Vegas party, and he woke up and said, you know what? He was sleeping on the street about to eat trash, right? Eat the food that, the, that they were giving to the pigs. He said, I'm going to go back home to my father's house. And the older brother got mad about it, right? He was, had his arms crossed and was mad that, his, that the dad received the younger brother. And just in that one story, you might read that story, and at one point in your life, you're the prodigal. I've been there. You're the one running from God. You're the one running from your father. You're tired of the rules, tired of obeying dad, right? And so I'm going to do my own thing. And then you, you run so far, and then you run out. <laughs> and you find out, well, maybe dad did have some sense, right? And then you go back, and at one point in your life, I have a five-year-old now. And I think at some point, I could be the dad waiting on the prodigal son. Or you may find yourself at one point in your life being the older brother who kept all the rules, his whole life but didn't have the relationship he kept all the rules right and so we read this book and when we approach this book it's more than just a good book the bible is the only book that when you read it it reads you and i love i mean there's there's so many good authors and there's so many good books but this is the only book that says it's it's a mirror that as we read it, as we, as we get it inside of us, it begins to show us things in our life that we can improve, things that we can correct, things that are there that we maybe didn't even know. And so I want to just give us a, just a, a few things on how do, we, how do we approach this book and how do we read it in a way to where it speaks to us. Because for a long time in my life, I, I didn't read the Bible at all because I would open it and it just made no sense to me. And I don't know if anybody's ever felt that way. I was raised Catholic, and even what happened in Catholic Mass didn't make sense to me a lot of times. You know, there's a lot of standing and sitting this, standing and sitting this. Like, is it a football game? Is he fly? What is going on up there? But I didn't, I just, I didn't understand it. And then I would try to read the Bible, you know, and I would do the Bible roulette, just kind of open and point. And then, you know, my look, I'd be in Leviticus, and it'd be so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, or talking about not, you know, eating certain foods with certain things, or making clothing out of different fabrics. And so there's, there's a lot in this book that it, it, you just open it, it sometimes it, it may not make sense at all. And so how do we read the Bible in a way that it's more than just information? It becomes transformation, Right, Because we can learn and we can read, and, and there's a lot of people that know a lot of this book right here, but it's just information. So how do we move it down to a heart level? How, how do we move from information to transformation? 
And I think there's a few things. The first thing I want to give you, and I'm going to read the verse first. So I want to back up a little bit in Hebrews 4 to verse 2. And it says that we also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message that they heard was of no value to them. Why? Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. And so when we approach the Bible, it's more than just a textbook. It's more than just historical writings. And how do we, you know, you know there's 6,000 or so years of history in this book. Accurate history. But it's more than just a historical book. It's more than a history class. When we approach the book according to Hebrews 4, we have to mix it with faith. And everybody has faith, right? Everybody has faith. Every one of you in this room this morning has faith. If you're listening online, you have faith. And I'll prove it to you. When you got out of your car, out of your house this morning, right, and got in your car, you put that key in the ignition and you weren't worried that if it was going to start or not. Unless you have a truck like I got, right? No, no. I had a truck for a while. It was 50-50, okay? It may start, it may not. But you just had enough faith in the manufacturer of that car, it was going to crank. And when you took off out of your driveway and you hit the gas and you hit the brake, you weren't worried if the brakes were going to work. You had enough faith in the manufacturer of that car that when you hit the brake, it was going to stop. Or coming through town, if you came from Gulf Breeze and you went through a traffic light, you had enough faith in the engineers who hung that traffic light that it was going to turn red when it needed to turn red so you wouldn't run into oncoming traffic. You had faith, whether you realize it or not, unconsciously you had faith. Right now you've got faith that the person who designed this beautiful building and the, the folks that built it, built it in a way that it wasn't going to fall in on us. Unconsciously right now you've got faith that that pew is going to hold you. We all have faith. But the difference between that type of faith and the type of faith the Bible's talking about is it calls it pure faith. Jesus said it like if he said, if you've got the faith the size of a mustard seed, not in your car, not in the bench you're sitting on, not in the political powers of the day or in nations or in horses and chariots and, and all this stuff, but if you have faith, a little bit of pure faith in God, you can move mountains. And so when it comes to the book, when it comes to this Bible, faith activates the word of God. It activates. That's, it's, it's, and so when we read it, what we want to do is we want to send our faith out there to it and mix it in there. And that's, why I love, that's what I love about Sundays, and that's what I love about what I get to do every week. Because I'll be up here talking about bananas, and then I'll have a conversation with folks, and all they heard was apples. Apples, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and what I'm finding now is that the real miracle is not what I'm saying. The real miracle is what you're hearing. Because I could be reading out of Hebrews and the Holy Spirit could be telling you to go to John. Or I could be talking about faith and, 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 and you're hearing something about hope. Or you're hearing something about healing. And so when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you or, 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 or you begin to read this, you know, a, a verse just pops out to you. Maybe that's God's way of saying, I want you to send your faith out there to meet that. Because we can't really get it inside of us through osmosis. You know, we could try that. But the way that we get this book to work in our life is we, is we meet it with our faith. And so we all have faith, but it's this pure faith. I've heard it said that faith is the currency of heaven. 
we became Christians, the first time that you made a decision to follow God, you said yes to Jesus, you took a little step of faith. That took faith, right? This invisible God, this God that lived 2,000 years ago, and he, he lived 33 years, and he died, and he rose again, and you, you heard that message somehow. And it might have been on Easter Sunday. It might have been in a movie. It might have been over coffee with a friend. But hundreds of thousands of people have heard that message and didn't mix it with faith. It did nothing for them. But, but it did something for you. And then maybe you took it a little further and somebody said, you know, now that you're a Christian, you should, you should make that known to folks and you should get baptized. That's your next step. And what is that? Well, I'm going to go, we're going to get dunked in the water and come out and be new people, right? Does it really work that way? I've been dunked in the water a lot and I didn't come up new. But when, I'm, when you go down by faith, come on somebody, you mixed it with faith. And then maybe a doctor spoke a diagnosis over your life and then someone came along and said, Isaiah 53, that with his stripes you're healed and we're believing God for healing over your life. And something leaped in you. And you had the faith to grab that word and to believe that word. And there's people in this room I could give this mic to that could tell you that God has healed their body. Because they mixed the word with faith. And so we send our faith out. That, that just, you know, reading the word, when I would, I would open it, I'll, I'll, I'll remember getting, you know, trying to read the Bible and it didn't make sense. And I think it was because I wasn't mixing it with faith. And I'm finding that our faith needs a target. A good friend of mine told me this one time. He says, a lot of people, they just live their life, they shoot from the hip, and then they draw a target around and in the wall and say, that's what I was trying to do. But your faith needs a target. What do you believe in God for? Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus walks up and says, what can I do for you? And a lot of people, if God was to ask them that question, if God was to ask you this question right now, what can I do for you? Would you be able to answer it? What, what can I do for you? If God was to say, what do you need? Healing, peace? Do you have the faith to believe that? Do you have the, the faith to mix that word and say, that's mine? And so faith, number one, activates the word. So how do we get faith? Well, I think there's several ways, but this is, I want to give you just this one aspect i think revelation activates faith now what is that what is revelation moses tending death row sheep on the backside of the desert right for years and he's walked by the same bush for 15 20 30 40 years and then one day he walks by that same bush and it's on fire and it's speaking to him revelation something happens in our life and it's like it opens our eyes i've read that verse a million times but now it's different i've come to church dozens of times nothing happened but this time something happened revelation means this the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something related to human existence or the world it's revelation that's what I pray every single Sunday would happen when you come to church. And I hope that we're learning. I think we're learning. I think we're growing. I try to bring the word every week the best that I can. And I try to fill it up with, with, with verses and things that will help your life, things that you can apply. But nothing 
will take the place of revelation. Nothing will take the place of that aha moment when it makes sense. And we've all experienced that, right? In school, you know, in, in class, when you're learning and, and you're trying to figure out that math, that math problem and it just looks like gibberish on the chalkboard and then the teacher explains it in a way and it's like, boom, there it is. Revelation. When we receive revelation, it activates our faith. When we're able to believe God, when, when we know that God has spoken to us, whether it's through scripture or whether it's during worship or preaching or teaching or through a friend or through a movie, when, when God reveals himself to us, it stirs us up in a way to where the Bible begins to make sense, to where it comes alive. It's funny, there's, there's two Greek words for word, okay? Yeah, we got one word, we got one English we got one English word for the word word, right? But then we got two in Greek. One is logos and one is rima. And, and logos is the written word. So that's the total 66 books that, that we know as the canon. That's the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Go ahead and throw maps in there. All right, that's, like, that, that's the logos. That's called the written word of God. But then there's this other little word. It's called rima. And that means the spoken word the living word. And so when we, when we open the Bible, we're reading the Logos word. But when something jumps out at us, and I know it's happened to you, or you got that verse that drops in your mind and you remember bits and pieces of it and you look it up and it's exactly what you needed to hear. Maybe you've had a stressful day and you, you remember the Bible said something about peace and then you look it up and it says, well, God gives us a peace that passes understanding. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I'll take the peace that'll lift me up above this situation. That's a rima word. That's, a, that's an on time, that's a spoken word. That's, that's what you needed for that day. That's what Jesus meant when he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every rima, every word from the Father. It wasn't logos, it wasn't the whole, the whole Bible, it was one specific word is what he was meaning. And so God will do that for you. You don't need a priest to do it for you. You don't need me to do it for you. God wants to speak to you individually. You don't have to go before anybody. You have a high priest in heaven that paid a high price so that he could speak to you. That when you're going through things in your life and you need answers, he can give you the answers you need. I can promise you, you can find them in this book right here. So Revelation activates faith all right well what activates revelation this is my the last point on this side and i believe meditation activates revelation now what does that mean i think basically the more of the word that we get inside of us the more we're going to begin to hear god's voice because i know there's one there's one rule that comes when when god speaks because there's a lot of folks that hear from god a lot <laughs> and then there's some that don't but I know this, when God speaks, he's never going to contradict this word right here. God's not going to ever tell you to hurt somebody. God's not going to ever tell you to hurt yourself. God's never going to, he is never going to contradict this written word. And so the more that we read this word, the more we're going to hear his word and his voice. And the more that we read this word, the more we're going to know when it's not God's voice. And I'm going back to the temptation in the wilderness, and I believe it's Matthew 10 or 4 when Jesus was tempted. 
And if you look at what Satan used to tempt Jesus, he used Scripture. But Jesus knew it better, right? And so, the, and so this is the other side. The devil knows this book very well. But Jesus knew the difference. When, when, when the enemy was tempting him and saying all these things, hey, turn these stones into bread, Jesus said, yeah, that's good, but hang on. Man can't live by bread alone. Right? And, then, and then he says, well, throw yourself off of this temple. Then he says, look, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. Because Jesus knew the word. He was the word. He could combat the enemy in his life. And so the more of this book that we get inside of us, the more that we're going to be able, not only, I, and this is what I believe, and, and I, if, if you lived your life based on the, principle, the principles of this book, whether you're a Christian or not, your life is going to be more blessed. If you handle money the way that this book says, your life is going to be more blessed. If you treat your neighbor the way that this book says to treat your neighbor, your relationships are going to be richer. If you treat your spouse the way that this book says to treat your spouse, you're going to have a more satisfying marriage than anything in the world could ever offer you. And so when we approach this book, we know it's God's word. It's, God's, it's, it's his love letters to us. And it's a book about him. And so the more we get in it and the deeper that we dive in it, and so meditation brings this revelation. That basically just means the more that I can get this word in my mind and in my soul and in my spirit, the more I'm going to hear God speaking in my life. That the, that the Bible interprets the Bible. That the Bible can be really confusing. I mean, especially if we just open it right up and maybe you don't have a, a lot of knowledge of Scripture. And I know that that, that was me. I was starting from zero. When I became, I didn't have, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't, you know, I didn't study the Bible a lot. I went to church because my mom made me. But no, I'm just kidding. No, no. But it just wasn't something I wanted to do. And, and, but when, I, when, when, when that, that revelation happened and I started, I heard about this God who wants to have a relationship with me and I can talk to him and I can, I can have church on my, in my house by myself. I don't have to be in a sanctuary and I don't need a priest doing anything for me. I began to read this, bird, this, this word and it just came alive to me. And so the first couple of years that I was a Christian, I always stayed on a six-month Bible reading plan because I wanted to know the Bible. And I felt like God, like it was something I had to do. I'm not saying that you need to read the Bible in six months. But I, I wanted, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But the more that we read this book, let me give it to you this way. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers well how do we prevent that his delight her delight is in the law of the lord and they meditate on this law day and night the person that does that look at verse three here's the promise that person's like a tree planted by streams of water which yield fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers that word meditation they, they, they meditate on the word that's we get the english word ruminate from that that's like you ever seen a cow chew cud come on you ever go out in the country it's kind of gross but they take the same piece of grass and they chew it and then they spit it out they eat it again and then they chew on it and then they hawk it up again and then they chew. i know it's gross isn't it but what i'm saying is it's not about quantity 
So don't feel like, well, I gotta, I gotta read 27 chapters today, or I gotta read, I gotta read half the Bible by by March. And and some people can do that, you know. And I think that's kind of the there's a little bit of a danger with Bible reading plans, right? Because you can get on a six month or a one year Bible reading plan, and then and then you talk to somebody, how's your Bible reading plan going? Well, it's going good. I just got to read 79 chapters tonight, and and then I'll I'll be back on back on track. And, and and so don't guilt yourself. If you can just get one piece of one verse every day, one piece of one verse, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Lord, I, I want a rhema word. I want a fresh word. I want something from, it, it could just be one part of one verse that you, can, that you can chew on, that's yours for that day, that you meditate on, that gets deep down inside of your soul. And so I'm, I'm finding, and I think we all, are seeing this, that it's not the availability of the Bible that's the problem. We have the Bible everywhere now. You've got it on your phone, iPad, lots of Bibles. But it's the appetite for the Bible that's lacking. We have lots of Bibles, right? We don't live in communist China where they literally take pages of the Bible and hide them. I've seen videos of of Bibles being delivered in China, and it's literally like Christmas Day. I know of a friend that used to smuggle Bibles into China because that wasn't allowed. And so in certain parts of the world, they realize how valuable this book is. And, and so it's not really about availability in the, in the States. We have lots of Bible access. We've got lots of Bible apps. We've, we've got them everywhere. You can buy one. You can get one. If you stay in a hotel, there might be a Gideon one, you know, right next to the bed. But it's an appetite for the Bible. How, how do we stir up an appetite for the Bible? <clears throat> and I think the first thing is we've got to keep a high view of the Bible. It's, 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 I think we, we, the Bible loses its power when we buy into lies like, well, some of it's true, but some of it's not. <laughs> well, I, 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 this part, I'm gonna, I really like this part, but this part over here, yeah, I don't think that one's for me. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, like when we keep a high view of the Bible, and, and I think the, the theological term for that is it's infallible, the infallibility of the Bible, that it's God's written word. And the second term is it's inerrant. And so that means it's, it's, it's vo- there's no errors in this book, that everything that God wanted in this book is there. And everything that we need for our life to, to raise our children to, to, to lead the company that you lead, to, to figure out what school to go to. Do I pursue this as a career? Do I pursue that as a career? If you play sports, right, the motivation and the strength that you need, I can do all things through Christ, right? It's, it's all in this book. But we lose, it loses its power and it loses its impact in our life when we believe that lie that, well, maybe some of it's true and maybe some of it is not. And so how do we go deeper? I want to give you four things and we're going to pray. How do we go deeper into God's word? I think the first one is this, by listening to God's word. We listen to it. You're here right now, so give yourself, pat yourself on the, on the back. You're listening to God's word. That's the first step. We, there's an app, if you're, if you're like into apps, it's called the Bible Is app. And it will actually read the Bible to you. And I don't, I don't do this anymore, but, but I used to just fall asleep with the Bible read, with the Bible playing. And, and, and so we listen, we listen to the word of God. And that's, that's the first step. Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And so the more that we listen to the Bible, the more it's going to come alive to us. And I think that's why it's important to come to church. I think that's why it's important to click in if you're not able to make it for some reason. Because you're listening to the word. And as you listen to the word, as you hear the word, you're going to begin to hear in your own life what you need to hear. And, and, and so I, I just think it's so amazing every, every Sunday someone will hear something. It's not in my notes, and I know I didn't say it, but they heard it. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. That, that as, as we're, we're reading in Hebrews, he might have you and lead you somewhere completely different to give you what you need for what you're facing in your life. And so the more that we listen to the word, the more that the word begins to get in us. There's a parable in the, in the book of Luke called the parable of the sower, Luke chapter 8, and it's not in your notes. But it's a parable that Jesus told about a sower, and he had a bunch of seed. And so he just went out and he threw the seed. And he said that some of the seed was trampled on, was stepped on. Some of the seed, the birds ate it. Some of the seed fell on rocky ground, so it shot up really quick, but then it couldn't take root. Some of the seed fell among thorns, but then some of it fell in good soil. And so that parable is a pretty powerful parable, but I want you to see what's consistent in that parable. The seed is consistent. It was the exact same seed. The inconsistent thing in that parable was the soil. Some seed fell on hard ground. So what does that mean? Maybe there was just their heart wasn't prepared. Said some seeds, it grew up, but, but the cares of the world distracted it. They were just distracted. The same word went out, the same seed into the same ground, but it didn't produce anything. Some had thorns, so there was something in, in, in that in that. There was something in that person's life. Again, this is, he's talking about the hearts of people. That there was something there that just, that just suffocated that seed. But the consistent thing is the seed was the same. And so our hearts is the soil. And so the more that we listen to the word, the more I believe it prepares our heart to receive what God wants to give us. And so as we listen to the word, as we get it inside of us, as it, as it, as it begins to change us and mold us, he says that the seed that fell on good ground, it produced a hundredfold fruit. And so we listen, we listen to the word. The second thing, how do we cultivate a life in God's word? It's by learning it. So when we hear it and it, it, it's, you know, it, it's something we're interested in, we begin to study it. And that's why I'm so excited about the groups that are kicking off right now. We've got groups that are going through the book of Hebrews, going through the book of Romans. Uh, we've got groups, the, the Man Cave, they're still going through the book of John. I think they're on like 20 weeks now. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but we, we've got these groups that are meeting every week and they're studying the Bible. They're learning. And, 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 and like I know I've already said this, but it's, it's amazing to me how you, you can think that you've exhausted a verse, that you've studied. I've read every commentary. I've listened to every preacher from here to kingdom come on this verse. And then God will show you something new. And it's alive. And so the more that we begin to learn the word, the more that we begin to develop a passion for the word, the more it's going to begin to speak to us. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that word study means to just make it a priority. It's something I'm doing. 
every day. It's something I'm doing as much as I can. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm not here to make you feel bad if you haven't read your Bible uh, this week or even this month. I just want to encourage you that God wants to speak to you. And the more that you begin to learn and the more that you begin to dig into this book, the more you're going to begin to see God in all that you do. And, and so the, I, I want to, this, this is one of my first Bibles here that was ever given to me. It's like torn up. My, my a friend of mine that's a pastor now gave this to me. And I think there's something really special about having a Bible. And, and I know a lot of people, you have it on your phone. And you may have it on an iPad or something, but if you don't have a Bible, we have over 50 Bibles that we want to give to, to all of you. If you have somebody in your life that you think could use a Bible, take one. Right after service, they're going to be in the back. It's a, I believe it's a New Living Translation. It's a really easy translation to read. And when it comes to translations, I think just pick one that you like and stick with it. You know, for me, I was kind of old school, y'all. Like, I, got, I became a Christian at a, a, a pretty, pretty, like, conservative church, so it was King James only, baby. And, and, and so I, I learned, all, like, I'll quote a verse, and it's King James. Like, like if, if a verse drops in my mind, it's King James, because this is the Bible I read when I became a Christian, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I'm about to have to get it recovered. But the more that we learn, the more that we dig into this book, the more it begins to speak to us. And I want you to have a hard copy of the Bible if you don't, because it's, it's really awesome to go back and to just look at the notes in the margins. Look at what God was saying about, oh, I think it was 11 or 12 years ago, an evangelist came through the church that I was going to, and, and he preached a sermon on restoration. It was the beginning of the year. And he said, write down three things that you're believing God for. And I wrote them down in this Bible. And it was, I wanted to meet my future wife, I wanted to find a job, and I wanted to get into school. And it's amazing that in this, that year, God did all three of those things. And I can go back, and she's right here. She <laughs> said, yeah, that was, Lord, that was longer than 12 years ago, y'all. I've been married uh, 14 years, so it's uh, 12, 12, I've been married 12 years. This is what happens when I don't write everything down. So, you know, I need to start manuscripting. Okay, um, I'm sorry. I know how long we've been married. I was married for 20 no, no, I'm just kidding. No. But it's just cool to go back and see that and, 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 and how God delivered on that promise. And, and, and so get you, get you a hard copy, take it with you. Just, just really quick, when it comes to the Bible, just have a plan. Put it in your calendar, right? You know, if you, if you run off a calendar, put it in your calendar. I'm going to get up in the morning, set a time. I think that's important. I'm going to read, I'm, you know, I, I can't say I do this every single day, but I'm on a pretty good run now for a few months. But before I wake up, right, the first thing I do when I do wake up is I, I don't scroll on social media or I don't read news. I, I, just, I just go to my devotion. First thing. And so it's starting the day in the Word, and it's amazing how when you do that, it kind of sets the pace for your whole day. If you start with the news, it sets the pace for the whole day, right? Because it's typically bad, and that's, what, that's, that's, that's just what people want to see, and that gets people's attention. So that's what they put out there. But I want to start it in the Word, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still. I want to start my day with that. 
and then I'll leave all the bad stuff for once I get to work, right? And once I do turn on the TV and I do see the news and I do see all the craziness, I want to get my bearings first thing in the morning. And so take a Bible with you if you don't have it. And here's the last one. Or I got, by living God's word. We listen to it. We learn it. And then we live it. John Maxwell says it like this, the biggest gap in the world. It's not the Grand Canyon. It's not the gap over the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean. The biggest gap in the world is between knowing and doing. And so there's a lot of people that know a lot of the word, but how much of the word am I living? James says it like this. I says, this is tough right here, y'all, okay? I know. James 1, verse 22, don't just merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, but do what it says. Do what it says. And then this is actually the last one. I'm all over the place this morning. Y'all pray for me. We listen to the word. We learn it. We live it. I'm going to read the verse and then I'm going to give you the point. Psalm 119. This is right in the heart of the Bible. Psalm is, is it's the book of Psalms is the middle book, right in the heart of the Bible. And David writes this, verse 97, how I love your word, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands, they're always with me, and they make me wiser than my enemies. Anybody got some enemies in here they need to beat? I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, because why? I've obeyed your precepts. I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws. For you yourself have taught me. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than the honey to my mouth, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I avoid, I hate every wrong path. So how are you going to lead your life? How are you going to know to go right or left? How are you going to know to write that deal up and that contract or to pass on it? How are you going to know to get into partner with that ship with that person or not? How are you going to know what school to go to, young person, or what to do with your life, or what should you pursue? Where, where, where should you, like, all these options. David said, this word, it's a lamp. It's a lamp to his feet. It's a light to his path. It's the same for us. And in that day, they didn't, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have all the lights that we have now. And so what they would literally do is they would tie lamps to their legs. And so all they would see is where they were stepping. And they would see just enough for their next step. And I believe that's what this book does for us. We may not know the next 20 years. We may not know the next 40 years. We may not know next week. But you can trust this book. You can live your life. You can guide your life and your family and everyone that looks to you for leadership. If you can come into line with this book, your life's going to be more blessed. You're going to know God in a deeper way. And I think this flesh gets in the way. You know what I mean? Like, like I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm craving sugar. You know what I mean? I'm, not, I'm typically not craving to, to, to read the word. And, and, and this is what I'm, I'm finding that if we can be disciplined enough to say, okay, for the next seven days, I'm just going to start my day in the Bible. 
That's why I'm going to read one verse every day. And what begins to happen is spiritual disciplines become spiritual delights. Because sometimes you got to make yourself do it. Right? Sometimes your, your body may not just wake you up at 6 in the morning and say, all right, jump in the Word. It's going to wake you up and say, all right, hit the snooze button. You know, like, like, like that is what your body is going to say. And that's why Paul said, I brought my body into subjection. I, 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 I'm, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm bringing my body under discipline because I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in this book. And the more that we can discipline ourselves to get in this book, the more that we can begin to listen and learn and live this book, we're going to begin to love it. And before we make any major decision in our life, we want to go here. Before we make any major purchase or anything, really, we're going to want to go here. Because God's word is a, it's a lamp. It's a guide. We're going to see over the next few weeks that it's inspired. That God is everything in that book that was meant to go there is there. And everything that we could ever face in our life, every situation, doesn't matter how confusing, God has answers in this book for you. And so we're going to do this. We're going to learn this. We're going to guide and journey through this over the next few weeks. But I, I just want to, I want to end with this. I just want to encourage you. Just, can you do it for a day? I know a lot of you read the Bible way more than me. So you just, just take this for, you know, just take this. And, and but this is for some of y'all that are kind of, you know, maybe this is your, you've just started coming. Or maybe this is your first time coming to church. And, and you've tried to read the Bible and it just seemed like, like, like it just was like in Greek, literally. Like, I, I don't understand this. Just, just try it for a day. Wake up in the morning. First thing you do, put it by your bed so you can't miss it, right? And, and just open it up, start your day, and just see what happens. See how God begins to speak. See how God begins to, to shape your life. And, 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 and I'm, I'm finding that God knows the meeting you're going to have tomorrow afternoon. And God knows about the doctor's appointment on Wednesday. And God knows about that important meeting next month that you've been worried about. And when we get in this book and when we read this book, he gives us what we need to face those things. It's almost like he's already there. <laughs> it's almost like he knew it was coming. And so he, he gives us, he, he prepares us, he gives us that, like back like what Jesus said, it's that bread that we need, it's that strength that we need for the day to make it through whatever life decides to deal us. So I want us to do this. Just bow your heads. We're going to pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's alive. It's active. It's moving. Even right now, God, it's through the power of your Holy Spirit, you're speaking to every person. God, we thank you that we have access to this book. Thousands of people have died trying to get to this book. There's people right now on this planet that can't read this book. And so, Lord, we're just grateful. We're grateful, Lord, that we, that we have this. We're grateful, Lord, that even in this moment now, that your Holy Spirit is moving. He's illuminating the word to us. He's speaking to our hearts. And so I just want you to pray this prayer. Every, every head bow, every eye closed. Just pray, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. If it's through your word, God, I, I want to hear your voice. Speak to us, God. Speak to me. God, individually, every person, Lord, give them what they need. 
to make that decision that they need to make. Lord, give them what they need to overcome that thing in their life that maybe keeps pulling them down. Lord, help us to cultivate a love for your word that it's more than just hearing it, it's more than just reading it, it's more than just memorizing it, but we love it. As David said, I've hidden your word in my heart. I love it so much, I've, I've, it's deep down inside of me, I've hid it inside of me, it's just who I am now. Lord, stir us up to love your word. God, we just thank you so much. We thank you, we're grateful. We know that we're blessed today. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.